Welcome to the Anxiety Slayer series. Our mission is to assist you with creating more peace and tranquility in your life through anxiety release exercises and supportive tools created to slay your anxiety. Today's Anxiety Slayer podcast is brought to you by the Anxiety Slayer Academy. We've been offering our free podcast for almost seven years now to help anyone suffering with high levels of stress and anxiety find relief. Now we want to help you go deeper by providing step-by-step support on how to get the best experience from our favorite tools and techniques for overcoming anxiety. Learn more about the Anxiety Slayer Academy at anxietyslayer.com forward slash support. Welcome to Anxiety Slayer. I'm your host, Shan Vanderleek, and today it's my pleasure to share a conversation about how you can discover the real you with charismatic visionary and transformational teacher, Coot Blackson. Born in Ghana, West Africa, Coot's multicultural upbringing as the child of a Japanese mother and Ghanaian father has spanned four different continents. His unique lineage lay the foundation for his approach to breaking down barriers and unlocking an individual's true gifts and greatness. Coot quickly learned that the outside-in approach, favored by so many in the personal development space, had to become an inside-out approach. So he decided to create his own method, a process that liberates the individual and the true self at the core and then pushes those gifts outward into the universe. Colored with experiences from his own incredible journey, Coote's debut book, You Are the One, published by Simon & Schuster, was just released this past June. His book shows readers how to unlock their true potential and live a life they love through love. Welcome, Coote. It's great to be here, Shan. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, it's our pleasure. And I have so many questions for you after finishing your book. I actually finished the last chapter this morning and, uh, mm-hmm. and really enjoyed your storytelling. And you really have such a, an interesting background. And where I'd like to begin is if share a little bit about your upbringing to the point where you are now, and then I'll dive right into the questions. Sure. Yeah, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I I grew up in London, and so I feel always felt like a citizen from the world. And just in terms of my background, I've always felt this deep, deep, deep calling to serve humanity. And what really impacted me was my father. And and uh, I remember being a chubby kid uh, in Ghana, West Africa, lost in the crowd, and and seeing a crippled woman literally picking up the sand that he walked on, and wiping it on her face and standing up. You could call that a miracle. And and so week after week, I grew up seeing uh, blind people see and deaf people hear, and people stand up at wheelchairs. And my father would come up to these people and say, "Stand up," you know. Or he'd say, uh, "Throw your crutches away." And I saw some some wild miracles happen and that was that was really my reality and around age eight i started speaking in my father's uh, audiences he had about 300 churches in ghana west africa he had one large church in in london uh, south london and then uh, 14 age 14 is when i really uh, i was pretty much ordained as a minister in his organization and given a mandate to take over his whole organization and uh, with the hopes of hundreds of thousands of people and his expectations on me. Uh, but I knew that that wasn't my path. 
but I was, if I'm honest, I was really terrified of speaking my truth. I was terrified of, of telling him that this isn't what I wanted. So it took me about four years to muster up the courage to have a conversation with my father. And then I left every everything behind and uh, came to the U.S. And, you know, but from a young age, I was always uh, obsessed, you could say, and passionate about really trying to understand who are we and why we're here and what's the purpose of life. And, you know, why are some people miserable and why are some people who have everything, you know, not, not happy and why do some people have not so much? Why are they happy? And right. so these were some of the questions I, I went on a quest of and came to the U.S., found many teachers and authors and learned from them and, and then went traveling around the world because uh, I really wanted to know truth and happiness for myself. And I was tired of reading the books. And so I traveled to places like India, which I write about in my book, and uh, London and you know, Stonehenge and Glastonbury to northern Spain, walked the Camino to Japan, studied with Zen monks and went to Israel, met with rabbis and shamans in Indonesia. And, and so went on a quest to try to understand the human conditioning and, and really what what causes suffering and how do we end suffering? And uh, it was really out of that about 15 years ago that I started coaching people one-on-one and then it grew to one-on-ten and 20 and and 100 and just on and on and on. So it's been an amazing journey ever since. It just astounds me the experiences that you've had in this short life so far. When I was reading the book and there was a part, well, there were several parts that I could identify with, but one was when you got the calling to do the Camino. Mm. And then when you started and you were so, you know, gung-ho and going to push, 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 until, until a, a fellow traveler um, <laughs> <laughs> helped you think about perhaps taking care of your feet and, you know, yes. that, that you could uh, maybe take this in in a, in a different way. And, and there were a number of, of stories like that in your book that thought, oh my gosh, the, all of these teachings and all of these miracles and the people who were showing up on these paths. Uh, and, and I thought, gosh, what a perfect person to have a conversation with for our Anxiety Slayer listeners, because they're constantly looking for ways, tools, techniques, and things that that they can use to help them overcome their own adversity. If they're suffering with general anxiety or if they're having post-traumatic stress, those kinds of things are, are very real. And I'd love to get some feedback from you about some of those tools and techniques that you might recommend that might make them feel better. I mean, I, 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 there's so many uh, different things, but you know, I think one of the things simply, especially when it relates to anxiety that I noticed for myself, uh, because there were moments uh, many years ago where I felt anxiety and I f- used to feel a lot of anxiety about things and life and the future and what's going to happen. And one of the things I observed for myself is, is really starting to cultivate an awareness of where my attention is. And often I, I saw it within myself that when I would go into anxiety, usually my attention was uh, not in the present. Usually my attention was in the future. Uh, it was, it was, I was kind of projecting into the future some sort of fantasy, some future, a negative future fantasy of what could happen, what might happen, what should happen, what possibly may happen, but may, but may never happen. And, and it was almost as I was living the experience of that and, and all the emotion of that in the present, even though none of that was necessarily happening right now. And, and so one thing I really learned to do was whenever, whenever I would feel those moments of stress, anxiety, contraction, is really check in, okay, 
where, where is my attention right now? Where is my attention right now? Because many times I saw for myself that I wouldn't even really be conscious or present to where my attention was. It was just gone. Somehow yeah. my attention was hijacked and I was spinning about all the possibilities and I might get sick and this might happen or what have you. And, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and a lot of the things I personally worried about, I'm going to be homeless. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to stop. Never happened. Right, but but it just so robbed my energy and attention in the moment, and so what I had to also give up was number one, really uh, observing my attention and being conscious and intentional and responsible for for managing my attention and not just allowing unconsciousness to hijack my attention and and cause me to spiral into something. Uh, but also one thing I really had to let go of, which was my need for extreme control. Uh, you know, I was, uh, to a degree, a control freak, wanting to be in control, be super independent, control life, control everything, control my future, control people, just uh, control how you saw me, control how, how you felt about me, control your reactions, make people happy. So, so that I saw, and this is one of the things, you know, my journeys to India taught me is when I went to India, it was like, I don't know if you've been to India, Shan, but uh, all those listening in, but India for me was the ultimate lesson in realizing that I'm really not in control of so much of my life. I mean, yes, there are things that I'm in control of, so I think it's important to realize, okay, what am I in control of? Okay, I'm in control of this, I'm in control of this, I'm in control of this. But I think part of my anxiety also happened uh, and stress when, when I was so fixated on so many of the things in life and in my future that I absolutely had no control over. And, and my journeys to India, which is why I wrote about it in my book, and I'm so passionate about India as a place, was because it forced me to surrender completely. You know, like in India, like nothing showed up on time. Nothing happened the way I thought it was going to happen. Uh, everything was, it was a surprise. Uh, and I just had to let go. And I had to keep surrendering. Okay. Right. Well, and in the beginning, you, you weren't even sure you liked it there. I hated it. <laughs> I, I hated it because I had no control. Right, right. I showed up. People and then here comes the aha moment and, and the, uh, oh my goodness, the things that you've shared with the clients and, and friends and, and helping them learn some similar lessons to, to surrender. Letting go of, and surrendering to, for me, a recognition that there is an intelligence there is a lot. The ego, myself, the little identified coot self persona wants to feel like it's running things, it's controlling life. But the truth is there is an intelligence. Whatever you believe, whatever you want to call it, labels don't matter to me. Life force, God, intelligence, consciousness. Right, right. There, there is something that is living and breathing us. I mean, if, if those listening in, if you were to just observe your breath right now, and not only does that bring you into the moment, but if you were to really observe your breath and feel, whoa, there are trillions of processes happening in your body that it's just happened. What's right. doing that? There are just just to breathe, like you are, we are being breathed by life force, God, energy, intelligence, divine. Like something is breathing. Whoa! That same something for me that I kind of had to realize is that same something that's breathing me is breathing you is breathing seven billion right. people. The same something is is functioning the stars and the moon and the sun and the rivers and the air. it's like I'm not stressing out about oh my god oh my god is is, is the sun going to shine today? Is it gonna <laughs> well, you know, and that's why we often recommend and bring everybody. We invite everyone back to the breath any time they start to spin out is to come back. Yeah, and. There, there are a number of different breathing techniques that can help you get back in your body and feel grounded so that you, you can 
start to find some calm, find some peace. And I know another thing that you are really, really good at is helping people move on after being stuck in old patterns, you know, acknowledging where they're at and recovering from that. And I'd love for you to kind of share some advice on the process of, of how we can identify and then move on from these old patterns that we're often stuck in. You know, I think we have to first become conscious and aware of our conditioning. You know, I often say that, you know, and share this in the book, I often say that, you know, from the moment we're born, we're born free. You know, yeah. we're born in touch with this essence. You know, as children, we're not really stuck in patterns. A child will jump on a table and sing. It doesn't care, can I sing? Or, you know, it doesn't care, am I fat? Or it's not anxious about what do I look like? It just just, it just does what it does, you know? And, and, and it's full of love and full of expression. And, and then we get conditioned. So I think we have to be aware of our conditioning and how we get conditioned is, you know, we deal with that. We meet our parents who are just doing the best that they can do. And they've been conditioned by their parents and on and on and on. So all of a sudden, two things happen. We start learning a, a, a protection mechanism or defense mechanism as a way to avoid feeling the pain of some of the stuff that's happening, which then we start suppressing our feelings and we start learning to try and control our emotions. And that's one thing because sometimes those feelings can be overwhelming. And then we also start going into the world and start developing a persona and a mask, a sense of who do I need to be in order for you to love me? Who do I need to be for my parents to love me? Who do, so we start suppressing parts of ourselves and out of fear that if I'm, you know, when I'm, when I express a part of myself, my father screams or I'm not loved. So slowly we start adapting and, and contorting ourselves and becoming uh, a persona that we think is who we are. And we, and many times we think, no, 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 cool. that, that's who I really am. It's really me. It's, it's, I am this way. And I think we have to start becoming aware of, okay, am I this rape really or is it simply who I've been conditioned to be? And I think the more we can start, how we start shifting those patterns is we start, we have to start becoming aware of our conditioning, the fact that we've been conditioned and to start questioning our conditioning, becoming conscious and aware of our conditioning moment to moment. And many times, because many times we're not aware thinking, this is just me, and, 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 it's, and it's really not. And I say to the degree that we're conditioned is the degree we don't have free choice. So awareness is the first key in questioning and the willingness to consciously, intentionally uh, feel, feel some of the feelings that we've learned to avoid, feel some of the feelings that we've learned to suppress, feel some of the feelings that we've learned to shut down that keep us stuck or disconnected or, or really keep our hearts closed, I think is, is a step, is a first step if my mind starts to really run amok, is to stop and question, whose voice is that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, because that's not mine. And mm. where, where is that coming from? And it's, it, it's such a wonderful, simple technique. And, I can, and there's workshops and processes and all kinds of things that you can do around this. But when you can start to identify those, those voices, I have an entire board of directors. You often hear people talk about their inner critic. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a very large table of them, but I've learned how to listen and how to identify and how to untangle what is not mine uh, so that yes. I can move beyond that fairly quickly. But, you know, we all have personal setbacks and things come up. And that's something that I know you also can speak to is, let's say we're moving along, we're doing our inner work, we're feeling really good. And the next thing we know, we're taking five steps back how do we best overcome those personal setbacks mm. you know I, I think it's just also realizing that that we are here to grow and evolve and learn 
you know, we, we're here as souls and we're having this human experience because we're here to learn and grow and evolve. And, and I think many times uh, how we grow and evolve are through challenges and are through obstacles. And many times when we have the setbacks, we often ask ourselves, you know, oh, my God, why is this happening to me? Or God doesn't love me or I'm cursed or what have you. We go into a negative spiral. But uh, it, to me, it's not a matter of if a setback is going to happen, it's just a matter of when those challenges are going to happen. So, so I often say, you know, rather than asking the why question, uh, it's really look at looking to understand, you know, what's the lesson in this challenge? What's the lesson in this setback? What's, what is this situation, this breakup, this, this heartache, this challenge, this person, this individual, my boss, what is the setback teaching me? What do I need to learn? What are the lessons that I really need to learn so I can grow and evolve. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's really about our growth and evolution. Uh, you know, I look at my life and there were many setbacks I had, many things I thought, you know, I thought I wanted many things at a certain period of time many years ago, and they didn't happen. And, I, and many setbacks happened. I was rejected, things didn't occur, there were breakups, what have you. And I look back now uh, from my perspective today, and I thank the universe, I thank God that things that I thought I wanted at that time didn't happen, even <laughs> like setbacks. So I, I often right. say sometimes setbacks and things not happening is really a sign of grace because I look at myself and I realize I wasn't really ripe or ready yet or cooked yet or I wasn't ready to, to be able to hold uh, and fulfill the vision that I was given. And, and I think sometimes those setbacks give us the opportunity to develop the soul muscle the mental muscle, the spiritual muscle to become the person who's then able to, to fulfill the goal and the vision that we're trying to achieve. So, so I say celebrate them, embrace them and learn the lesson and trust that we are, that they are just preparing you, marinating you to, to do what you're here to do. You say that real freedom is an inside job. Tell us mm. what, tell us what you mean by that. Yes. Yeah, to me, it's an inside job. Uh, uh, you know, many times we're looking for freedom out in the world. Uh, we're looking for freedom in relationships. We're looking for freedom by making enough money. If we think if we have enough money, and I work with many, many clients, some many of whom are billionaires who have every amount of money, and they're not free. You know, and and, and so many times we're looking for freedom outside. But I I found that everything in the world is number one impermanent and transitory. So it comes and goes. And if our freedom is dependent on what comes and goes, then so does, you know, so does our, our emotional state. It is always going to come and go. It's going to yo-yo. Uh, and, and looking for freedom, which is certain, an infinite expansion, sense of freedom in the finite. We, basically, we can't really experience the infinite, the real freedom in what's finite, what is transitory. So, so I think it, it's that recognition that we have to find the inside. Uh, and, and, and really look at what is driving us. What is it we're really seeking? What is it we're really, really, really looking for? So that's why for me, the when we really start becoming aware, conscious, and unconditioning ourselves, deprogramming ourselves, letting go of the layers, then I think we start tapping into the freedom of our selves, the freedom of our souls, the freedom of our spirits, the freedom of our being. And, and I think that's... That's the ultimate freedom. And what we start realizing is what we are essentially, our beingness, our consciousness is free. And then, then we no longer try and like achieve something to get free. It doesn't mean we can't achieve things. But then 
knowing that we are freedom, I think, frees us up even more to be happy and fulfilled and joyous and, you know, in celebration in each moment and not waiting for something outside, not dependent on anything outside uh, to be free, that, there, that there's a freedom inside. And then I think we can start, start actually going into the world from a place of freedom uh, and uh, with much less fear, uh, which much, with much more boldness. Right. Uh, with much more uh, uh, courage to to pursue our dreams. Well, and some of your boldness and courage and the way that you show up, uh, when, I, when I was reading in your book about your experience where you thought you were dying, when you were, oh, you, were yeah. you know, just having such a hard time in India, and you kept pushing yourself again, you know, to get to, to, get to the top, to get to where you wanted to go and die there, you know, <laughs> and then had that awakening that, okay, uh, we're all going to die, and I have this opportunity ahead of me. What, what am I going to make of it? How am I going to experience it? How am I going to be in community and, and, and do my thing? I, it was very profound because I think we still have a culture that wants to pretend that we're not all going to die. <laughs> it's, it is from the moment that we're born, right? It is the only guarantee. Right. Whether you are Buddha, you know, Buddha, Jesus, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, David Bowie, you know, MLK, JFK, Mother Teresa, Sai Baba, we all, the body will die. The form will die. It's fact. And I think the more we can, you know, embrace it, Every moment we're dying, every breath we're dying, rather than avoiding it and pretending. Because when we do that, then we're resisting life. Uh, and then I think we waste so much time. But when we really embrace death, like I'm dying right now, I could die. None of us know when that moment's going to come. None of us know. Like I always say the people in 9-11 or in the Southeast Asian tsunami had no idea that they wouldn't come home that night and be able to look their loved ones in the eyes one more time and say, look, I'm really sorry. Or I really, 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 really love you. Or would you forgive me? or I need to forgive you. And, and so often, because we're resisting death and we think maybe we have forever, we, it's easy to take a day or a moment or a month or a year for granted and waste time. But I think when we, when we, when we make death our friend, not in a morbid way, when we, we, we make death our friend, death whispers, this is it right here. Are you ready? Are you ready? So for me, the question becomes, how would I need to live? What would I need to express? How would I need to rearrange my life, my relationship, so that if death came, I, I, I could feel complete. I right. could feel ready. So I think the realization of death, there is no life without death and, and vice versa. And the realization and the embrace of death, I think, frees us up and can inspire us to get on with the business and the joy of living, living. Yes. without wasting time. Because when that moment comes, we can't go to God and say, God, um, I wasted two years of my life. Um, in that relationship that was kind of not quite working or in a job I hated. Can I get a refund? There is no right. refund. There is you know? no refund, so, exactly. There is no refund, yeah. uh, in, in You Are the One, uh, you offer guidance on the sensitive issue of forgiveness. What's mm. your personal process for forgiveness and moving toward peace? Mm. I mean, I think it's, it's, on one level, it's pretty simple. Uh, it's not always easy. I think it's a realization that in any moment, at, some, at whatever point of my life and whatever stage of my evolution five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, a year ago, that I was doing the best I could at that time. 
with my own resources. I was doing the best I could at the time based on who I was and where I was at the level of my own consciousness. And I think many times it's easy to judge ourselves for things we've done. It's easy to judge ourselves harshly. Uh, and I think forgiveness really begins with ourselves. It's easy to judge ourselves for things that we've done and other people. But I think what, what drives us, what drives us all, uh, every be- underlying every behavior uh, is some positive intention. So whether we've done something or whether someone else has done something, uh, I think to be able to realize that what, 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 what we've been trying to get or what they've been trying to get is something positive, even though it may have come off really weird or really painful or caused harm or we may have caused harm or pain. I think when we can realize that, uh, it's easy, at least for me, it's easier to have compassion for myself. You know, it's been easier to have compassion and understanding for myself and what I've done and what I haven't done, realizing, wow, what I was really seeking was love. And I kind of screwed up how I went about that. Or what I was really seeking was uh, some kind of connection. And and I think when we can realize the underlying intention for what's driving us, uh, it's much easier to bring compassion to ourselves and forgive ourselves and another person, you know. And the reality is, I think for me, I've had to accept that me and other people, there is no such thing as perfection as a human being. As human beings, we're not perfect. So we are going to screw up. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to uh, sometimes hurt ourselves and hurt other people. And I think the more we can become conscious and aware and uh, love ourselves through those moments, and part of that is is learning to forgive. And I always say that you know, you don't forgive someone else just for them. You do it for your own self to free up your own consciousness right? and set, and set that person free and holding on to resentment, holding on. And, and yeah, maybe you're right. You know, maybe I'm right that you wronged me. Maybe I'm right that you did something. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm right. But what I found is being right doesn't make me happy. Being no, right. you got to let people off the hook, let yourself off the hook and let them off the hook. It doesn't mean what happened was okay. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean that, so. you know, that you uh, are, are uh, okay with, with how things went down or the harm that came your way, but it, it is a gift to give yourself. It is, it is such a gift. And I really like that you can sit back and say, okay, my old story is not my only story. I get a new chapter. I get to forgive. I get to forgive myself and digest that. I get to see it for what it is and then let it go and release it so that mm-hmm. I can move more toward peace. Yes. Yeah. That's the freedom. Mm. It's it's the gift we give ourselves. I think we hold the lock and we hold the key. Yeah, I agree. And I think think it's it's a key, you know, it's a key to give up our righteousness, give up being right and set ourselves free, set Mm. the other person free. You know, and, and, you know, just because we forgive someone doesn't condone what they've done. Uh, and sometimes I think we hold on, and I believe that you, ultimately we can't cheat life. Everything you put out comes back. Back around. So e- yeah. Even if you forgive someone, you're like, but, but, coo, they did, they did, they did. It's like the universe will deal with them. Yeah. Everything will come, the universe will deal with it. The universe will deal with you. The universe will deal with, let the, uni- let the universe deal with that person. Right. And don't waste another minute, another moment allowing that to to drag you down and to keep you down the those uh those stories those old stories can really uh cause uh, stuckness they can paralyze us and yes the more i let go of those of my old stories 
the, the happier I am every single time I have a new, a new awakening, a new moment where it's like, ah, oh, I can let that go. I can be beyond that. Boy, I'm tired of that story. I'm not going to tell that story anymore. You know, that, that's not who I am today. Yes. Uh, the woman I am today is not the 17-year-old, is not the 20-year-old, is not the 30-year-old. And to really just ah, oh, sink into knowing that you are human, that we are human, and that we deserve to forgive ourselves and others. Uh, we yeah. had a we had a listener question uh, that uh, came through our Facebook page, and I'm not sure if you can speak to this or not, but they wanted to know if you know anything about the benefits of acupuncture in helping to manage stress mm-hmm. and anxiety. Look, I'm not. <laughs> it's funny. I was I was spending time last night with uh, a dear friend who's like a sister, and she's one of the best acupuncturists in LA. It's just what was funny. And uh, I, I mean, look, I can't speak to all the esoteric elements, and but I can say acupuncture is amazing because it, 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 it to me, when I've had it done, it, it it unblocks the stuck energy in my body through kind of manipulating the different meridian points and opening up the points in the body. So I would definitely say. The more you can allow energy to flow instead of being stuck, because many times energy gets stuck inside of our bodies and our and our system. The more energy can flow, likely the more uh, peaceful, the more fluid, the more open you will be. And I, I recommend it for everyone for sure. Yeah, I do too. And b- any body work as well, and mm-hmm. anything that uh, can keep the energy moving through us. We we had another question as well, and then uh, and then I'll I'll turn you loose. Uh, this one is similar to something that we talked about earlier, but um, we'll we'll see if you maybe have a a specific idea around this one. Uh, how have you learned to consciously surrender when it's your nature to want to control? Mm. How have I learned to consciously surrender when it's the nature to want to control? Uh, how I've learned, I mean, honestly, has been in the experience of life. Because, you know, India is what taught me that, really, in a very profound way. Because I realized that whenever I try and force something, whenever I try and, it, it only tends to create suffering. When I try and push something or make something happen, what? The experience is suffering. And I think that's the feedback when we suffer, when we're at tight, when we're contracted. That's feedback that there's likely something we're not dealing with or something that we're holding on to. So I think for me, each moment that I experience that contraction is a moment I get to say, okay, what am I holding on to? What am I, what am I resisting? And letting go, letting go. And I think partly some of it in the beginning is moment to moment to moment to moment. Okay, oh, I'm holding on right, right now. Let me let go. Okay, I'm holding on right now. Where's my tension? Oh, let me let go. And moment to moment to moment to moment to moment of just surrendering, you know, until it, it just becomes. Uh, and in the surrender, feeling the grace flowing. Mm. And I think the, the more I have felt the grace flowing, uh, the more than I've been able to be carried by that. And then I've seen, like really witnessed and seen things working out so much better than I could have imagined, right. so much better than I could have planned, so much better than if I had forced the situation. And that's what then just gives me more courage to say, okay, let me let go even more. So right. I think it's, specifically it's just moment to moment, observing your attention, 
noticing where you're tight, noticing where you're holding on, noticing where you're pushing, noticing where you're trying to force something, control, feeling, wow, that feels tight, that fe and, and letting that be a recognition to where you get to let go and surrender in that moment. Oh, Kud, it's been such a pleasure uh, having this conversation with you today. It went by very quickly as I, as I knew that it would. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and expertise with us. I enjoyed your book so very much. Thank you. Uh, and for everyone listening, Kut's debut book, You Are the One, published by Simon & Schuster, is available at kootblackson.com. Uh, you can certainly find it on Amazon as well. And it's You Are the One. It's a great book. Read it if you can. Uh, this book will show you how to unlock your true potential and live a life story that you love through love. Thank you, Coot. Thank you so much. It's been fun hanging with you. Anxiety Slayer has been offering a free podcast for more than six years. Now we want to help you go deeper by providing step-by-step -step support on getting the best experience from our favorite tools and techniques for overcoming anxiety. Are you ready to take action against your anxiety? Enroll in the Anxiety Slayer Academy now, and you can get started today. Visit anxietyslayer.com forward slash support.